Okay, so uh, lately I've been having um, these visions. Lately I've been having these visions about um, I don't know what they're about, but I had these visions, and it was my cousin. Her name was Tasia. Her name is Tasia. She in my visions lately, and um, you know, if I have to really put my finger on it, it seems like what's going on here is um, throughout this entire process, see, in the beginning of this process, my cousin, she, you know, she saw what's going on. She said. Man, you want forever. You went for life. And I was, um, I thought that was something so interesting to say. I thought that was interesting that she said that because, you know, she felt as if because this individual, I think, I guess was so-called interested in me, that I would have won for life. I will be winning for life with this individual. And, um, I mean, I guess I didn't put it together then, but I put it together now. I told God when I was five years old, I want to go to heaven because if you go to heaven, you win for life. I didn't even put that together at the time, but she said, you went for life. And she would say it out the blue. But when she say it, I knew it was set up. I knew it was set up. Because I'm like, he wanted you to say something. He wanted you to say that about him. He wanted you to feel like he would be a win for life. He wanted you to say that about his lifestyle. He wanted you to do that in order to coerce me. That's his clue, his hint that he was giving when I was sitting here. Like, what's going on? What does this stuff mean? Like, what is happening? Like, I'm, you know. At the time I was in Cleveland, I was contemplating staying, but at the same time, it wasn't solid enough. And there's been things that are more solid that it seemed like were handled differently. And so with that, you know, him using my cousin to say that, I felt it was a threat. I felt it was a threat. And a, it's like when you, it's like an ultimatum. Like, are you going to choose this and this is what happens? Or are you going to choose that and that's what happens? And, um... How I felt about that was, um, I'm not afraid of you. You know that I'm not afraid of you. I think you understand I'm not afraid of you. Matter of fact, I think you know more than you're letting on about how this is really going to go. And I trust God. And though it's going to be difficult, you know, I have to fight you. I have to fight you because nobody's going to show up in my life like they're God and pretend as if they're the, you know, holy grail, like, you're just an average human being, human being. You bleed and die just like I do. I don't care what false sense of power or contract or pact or deal with the devil or demon you have or whatever it is you got with him. You are nobody compared to God. And you are not about to take God's place in my life. Like, like that, that, just that thought is just so offensive. It's so offensive because it's like, how dare you? How dare you, you know? You didn't keep me breathing. 
to this point. You didn't keep me breathing to this point to, you know, for me to exist here today to even know you, which means that in reality, I mean, honestly, the way I see it is you don't give, you don't care. You don't care about me at all. You don't care about nobody. You probably don't even care about yourself. And you expect me to choose you over the one person, the one in this entire universe that actually cares for me and my family. You expect me to abandon the people that even if they didn't care or never care, it's still more care than you have for me. That's what you expect for me to do. And who are you? And I just was so upset about that, you know, but I've been so upset about that. I've been actually so extremely upset about that. But there's nothing really much I can do. Because when it comes down to it, you know, any type of aggression or anger or hatred or malice or revenge, revengeful mindset, anything negative in that, you know, direction will just feed right into Satan's plans. And Satan will be able to you know, um, drag me down, keep me away from God, torture my mind, you know, uh, distract me, pull things away from me, hurt me, hurt my family, threaten me with my family's lives, different things like that. Like, I saw me and this cousin that said, man, you went for life. I swear you went for life. I saw me and this cousin's faces on obituaries. We both had our own obituary. And for at least a year, maybe even two years, who knows how long before that, every time I would go on my Instagram and I would scroll through my pictures, I would see my face as RIP posts. I would see my pictures as rest in peace posts. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know why that was like that. But then right before the Lord gave me, or right after the Lord gave me my assignment, I was supposed to leave my hometown. Something came to me and said, you've done way too much to move forward. You're going to die. You don't get to move forward. You don't get to have a life. You're going to die. That's what the, that's what the spirit came to me and said, you don't get to move forward. You've done way too much to move forward. You're going to die. And it's amazing to me because I believe maybe a year, if not months before that, this guy posted a, made a post. He said, a spirit came to me and said, I did too much. I'm going to die. I did way too much to move forward. I'm going to die. And I don't know how this guy even po even made his way on my timeline because I wasn't even friends of his friends. I checked his friends list. I think we had maybe, I don't think we even had just one or maybe even two friends in common. And I never seen this person before. I didn't know them, but in the spirit, it felt like he know people that I may have known in passing. I really wasn't super popular or anything like that. So, you know, just different people may have known somebody I've known. But it was like the the post popped up like a spirit came to me and said, you done way too much to move on. Then he made another post said, I feel like I'm going to die soon. Then next thing you know, I checked his his Facebook and that day, a day, it says a day ago, rest in peace post. He was dead and he had just posted that. And I didn't know why the Lord was showing me that, but I felt like it was really a threat and a warning. And, um, I mean, to 
taking all these different things into perspective. Like, I, the Lord has brought me so far. I mean, that spirit was not able to take my life before I left. That spirit tried to tell me that, um, I, me, had done too much to move forward and that I was going to die before I ever left Cleveland, Ohio. And I left. You know, I've been gone three years now. And does that signify or confirm that I'm just good for life now? No, because, you know, it's amazing how they're trying to kill me now. They're actually trying to take my life. I've seen my face on an obituary. I've seen my cousin's face on an obituary. But why all of a sudden are our faces on our obituaries? What do we do? Who do we run into? So we used to go out on dates a lot. We used to go out and hang out with guys a lot together. We used to call them moves or missions or anything like that. That's not unnormal for young girls. That's not unnormal for girls at all, you know, to go out on missions and dates together, you know, or hang out with guys, you know. I don't think, I didn't think that it was a super big deal. I just thought that, you know, a lot of the other people who would look at the situation would think that we weren't being careful, that we didn't know who we were meeting and that something could have happened to us. We could have ended up, you know kidnapped or dead or raped or you know thrown into some sort of sex trafficking ring or all kinds of different stuff happened to people like that but I used to pray over us I used to pray before we left the house I used to pray when we got back to make it home safely I used to pray I used to always pray I used to be praying when I didn't feel comfortable in an environment with a guy I just start praying in my head I just start praying or I read my bible you know I didn't always make it super obvious but that's what I used to do. I used to pray. I used to count on and depend on God. I believe that um, that's what kept us safe. That's what kept us get. That's what got us home every single time safely. I know that now. Actually, I, I just know that. So, you know, the obituaries that I've seen our face on, I know what that meant. I was with my aunt at the time. My aunt. She always tell me stories about how wild she used to be when she was younger. She was prostituting. She was hanging out with all kinds of guys. She was just, you know, on drugs, all kinds of things. She happened to the car of this known serial killer. And um, he tried to kill her. She said she started to perform sexual acts on him in order to distract him. And then with the other hand, she pulled the, door, the car door open and she tumbled out the car. He shot her seven times. She survived that. And um, that's not the only aunt that ran into a serial killer. That was on my dad's side. That was on my dad's side. That was my dad's sister. On my mom's side, my mother's sister, she was at the gas station. And she saw a friend. Her friend said, we'll give you a ride. She hopped in the car with a friend. The friend hopped out. And um, this guy said he was supposed to be giving her a ride. And they were in the car. And... um. She said, this is my stop here. This is my stop here. Drop me off here. But he kept going. And then she started freaking out because he stopped listening to her when she kept saying where her directions were, which way to go, and that he was going the wrong way. So he knocked her out. And she woke up in this house, you know, and he comes through the door. And she's on her knees praying, like, God, please help me, help me, please. And she said, this man, entire voice distorted into a demonic tone. And said, God cannot help you now. You know, and really just said that while she was praying. 
She said God told her to get up and fight. She got up and she hit this man in his head with something. And then she ran out the door and she survived that. Come to find out, this man had all kinds of chopped up, decapitated women's bodies all in his home. And now he's super famous on like all type of criminal minds channels and all kinds of stuff like that for killing people in our city. He was a serial killer, mostly targeting, you know, women on drugs. This type of stuff, I don't think it's a coincidence. I truly believe everything happens for a reason. No, I would never say that I feel these individuals deserve or, or you know, somehow, you know, um, had it coming. The situations they walked into, but I do believe it may have something to do with generational curses on our bloodline. Why well, it seems as if we are falling in these, you know, into these situations. These very specific situations, which is why I'm always told to be careful. Who I hang out with, who I come around, different things like that. I really don't want to have to let go of my family. And I don't think that I'm meant to. To be honest, I don't think I'm ever meant to let go of my family. I think that's why we're fighting. My mother's always taught me anything we get through, we go through. Excuse me, anything we go through, we get through. <laughs> it's backwards. But um, what does this stuff mean, you know? I've been told multiple times in this process, this individual is a serial killer. They're a serial killer. Like someone showed me they have a graveyard and he looked at my face to see my reaction. I was praying one day. One day, the Lord led me to pray. And um, he just led me to pray for all the young black men in our city. Just all the young black men that was losing their lives very soon, very early. I just started praying for them all. I used to go to this page called Cleveland, Ohio. Remember, they post all the people that died that day, every day. And I would just pray. I pray over all the posts. I pray over all the families that they find strength in Jesus Christ. I would just pray. One day, this demon came in my face. Looked me dead in my face. And when people, now I, I feel like it brought new meaning to get out of my face. Like, you're in my face. Like, I used to always wonder what people meant like that. Like, does that mean somebody's, like, right in front of you talking stuff to you? No, like, in your face. Like, literally in your facial expressions. In your face where you feel somebody's face. Your face is somebody else's face or somebody else's face is your face. Like, weird. Spiritual type stuff. I think all these sayings, all these metaphors come from and originate from somewhere. Spiritually. The demon got in my face, like in my face, to the point that it could change my facial expressions. And it smiled. It smiled so wickedly at the thought of young black men deaths. It just smiled in my face and said, yeah, I do that. I do that. I'm the one that's, you know, I'm the one that's killing them. I'm the one that possessed these young boys to go and kill each other over nothing. I remember I'd be scrolling through posts. I wonder what he died for. These demons would be telling me. That one, oh, he owe him $5. Different things like that. 
and you would laugh so wickedly I did that I do that you know and I noticed the attitude was so reflective of a lot of, a lot of young black men's attitudes in my city they acted like that they would act that way they would say stuff like that yeah I do stuff like that I'm the one that you know these these dudes know about me they know you know, but they say the N-word, but I don't say that anymore. These dudes, they know about me. They know I kill them over nothing. They know it's, it don't even have to be that. Like, it don't even have to be a real reason. They already know I, you know, they already know what it, what it comes, you know, they already know it's better to be called with it than without it. All kinds of little, you know, sayings they got, different stuff they say about killing each other for nothing. For nothing. Just because. Just because they can. Like, it's nothing. And brag on it. That's what the demon attitude was like. And it might seem like it's not a big deal. But when you know this demon is responsible for all these many deaths every single day. Almost upwards to 100 deaths in like uh, more than over 100 deaths in a year. Hundreds of deaths a year. These men are dying every single day being shot in cold blood over small disagreements. And this demon is smiling in my face, bragging about how it's responsible. And a lot of these young men are possessed with this demon. Like, that is... That's a different type of frustration when you meet the demon responsible for genocide. You know, a lot of different versions of genocide. And so, with this individual that, you know, showed up in my face... You know, and I saw my cousin say, you're winning for life with this individual, which I don't blame her because it wasn't her. She was possessed to say that. I know she was absolutely possessed to say that. I don't care what anybody says. I saw, I felt it. I felt it in the spirit what happened, you know, because in reality, things could have gone in a different direction. Nothing would have been said to me at all. Nobody would have cared. Everything would have been let go. But I think it was what happened was it was possible that whoever this individual was that was pursuing me may have picked up on a fact, picked up on. Um, I think personally what happened was they may have even picked up on the idea that um, the prophecy needs to be fulfilled or will be fulfilled one way or another. Or maybe they picked up on the idea that. um. If I leave, you know, my power. No, I wouldn't say it's my power. I wouldn't say it's my power, but I would say if I leave, my power goes with me. I wouldn't say it's that either. I think this individual picked up on the idea that, like, you know, I don't know. All I know is they, they noticed something would be leaving or going or, or stopping or not being able to continue, you know, without me. That's what I think. That's what I picked up on. And, you know, the Lord has said that this individual has a chance to be raptured. So maybe it was that. Maybe it's their chance to be raptured. You know, they're thinking like, you know, if this is my chance, I got to keep fighting for that. Not that it's super important. I can't continue living on how I was living. But, you know, I keep fighting for this chance. Or maybe, I don't know. Or maybe this individual was... um.
because I would never think it was anything sentimental, like actually being afraid to lose me or anything like that. You know, because I heard them say, I'll wait for you forever. Something like that. And I'm like, this individual does not care nothing about my life. They don't care nothing about my family's lives. Sometimes I wonder if they care anything about their own. You know, so them saying I wait for you forever, I know what that was attached to. That was attached to the fact that something ain't going to move. Something is coming to a complete hard stop until I get back and complete this mission. That's what that is. Because it's in the middle, it's not finished, it's unfinished. And I realized that I couldn't even, you know, leave it that way. The Lord wasn't going to let me. Okay, so. Really, if I put my finger on it, what I think it was is that, you know, this individual may be convinced a lot of individuals that were around or surrounding the situation that were in, in on the situation maybe convinced them that, you know, it was about something else it wasn't. See, it's about heaven. It's about God. It's about making it to heaven. It's about eternal salvation. It's about your chance to be raptured. And, um... Maybe this individual was trying to convince them that, no, it's not about that. What it's really about is ending up with this rich rapper or ending up on this rich end of the lifestyle so that you can get somebody to sell out and sell their soul for that and miss their opportunity at eternal salvation. But you don't want them to know until they've missed it. And so, you know, this was more of a, you know, I think this is this is how I was seeing it at the time. This is more of a um this was more of a they um it almost was exposed. I think it was almost exposed what it was really about in that moment when I was just about to decide to stay in my hometown. Like maybe I should just stay here back home and forget about, you know, moving out, moving back out, like I should stay here. I mean I can manage it. I can manage it. I can make it work. They had tried. They had done something. They had made different efforts to, you know, um, push me back away from or push me back out. They made a plan to push me back out or push me back out of my hometown, get me back here to Houston, different things like that. But um, a lot of the times the efforts were, you know, Careless, almost like they didn't care if I came back or not. And it's not that I wanted this approval point or I just needed somebody to beg for me to stay or anything like that. I just found myself in this place where I was like, I almost don't even care either. You know, honestly, I really don't because it was just so hard. It was just so difficult. I was just feeling like this is inhumane. Like, I cannot deal with this. I can't live like this. I cannot, you know. I can't be hovered over and watched and tortured like this by my family, by everybody I think I've ever known or loved. And it was just too much. And I was like, I'll just stay home. But I have to deal with that. I don't have to be in Houston. You know, I, at least I know my city better to a way where I can get out here. I can get a job. I can get some money. I can get an apartment. I can get it. You know, I can get some stuff moving here in my city rather than Houston. I mean, I can get stuff moving wherever, but... I just know my city bears is is more comfortable for me. 
So I was thinking about staying. But, um, I don't know. I saw my cousin, and she was like, man, you went for life. Then right before I got in the car, I saw her face on the obituary, and I didn't know what that meant. I almost didn't even get in that car. Almost didn't even get in the car. And, you know, I was trying to put everything behind me. I wasn't trying to hold anything against anybody, so it wasn't even me. Like, it was just so many different weird things start happening all at once. My aunt, she was sitting there, and she was just like, you know, For a second, I felt like she was the only one that understood, but even her, even she only cared, like, to a certain extent. Like, it wasn't even a lot of care coming from her direction. It was just warnings about what she had gone through, what she had experienced, and, you know, trying to, trying to help me. Like, you need to stay out these streets. You need to stay, you know, stay around family. It don't matter. Like, be safe because I could have died. I'm blessed to be alive today, you know? Different stuff like that, or warnings, and different stuff like that. You know, when I hear different stuff like this, you think that it don't matter what your family do to you, it's okay to stay around them. But what if, what if your family one's trying to kill you? You don't have no choice but to leave, because it's come down to that. That it's my family that's trying to kill me. I don't care what nobody say. Only because of God's grace have I made it to this point. They tried to kill me, so what do I do? Because they're still trying to do that. And you think your family care about you, but I was seeing visions of them not even not even willing to bury me after killing me. So I don't know. It's like you want to take the advice of the wisdom of older people that family is always gonna be there no matter what and no matter where you go or what you're doing, like, they're always going to be your fallback, you know? You want to take the advice of different individuals about that, like, and then the the, the old advice that, you know, if you leave your family and you, you stay upset at them or mad at them for anything that they've done, what later on in life you're not, you're going to wish that you never done that. You're not going to be able to get that time back. You're never going to be able to get that time back. Different things like that. So I want to avoid making that mistake, but it is like, it almost like I don't have a choice. It's just almost like I don't have a choice. I don't know what to do. So I just had this vision with my cousin and like, we're on this old street that my dad used to stay on that we, you know, we used to hang out with each other for like the whole summer. Me, my younger brother and my cousins, we just used to hang out with each other the whole summer at my dad's house. And, um. We go to the park, we hang out around here, maybe go to the library or something. Um, all I know is we was hanging out, and she was staying right across the street in his house. Her and um, her mother and her little sister were staying right across the street in his house on the street, you know, my overlook. And um, it's just like we always gravitate back to the street. Because when I was younger, when I was a kid, we stayed on the street. And then I got a little older, middle school, we stayed on the street. And then, like, now it's like we're staying on the street. My grandmother, I believe, just moved off the street. Like, it's almost like we always end up finding a house back on the street. And I don't know what that means. My aunt stayed around the corner for so many years. It's like, I don't know what that means, you know.
maybe it's our, you know, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like, you know, our safe haven or something, something like our, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if it's like spirits in a certain area that become attached to you and become attached to raising you and just want to make sure you're doing well later on in life. Just want to see you make it. They see your future so bright. They just want to see you make it. And that's why you gravitate back to certain areas so they can check up on you and make sure you're okay. You know? So I wonder about that. You know? But, um... It's right in the area of this place called Dead Man's Curve. Dead Man's Curve. You used to remind me of the old, like, pirate sayings. My dad used to always talk about it. Dead Man's Curve. Because some people have crashed and died there. You know, and I used to, as a kid, we used to pass it. Like, here goes Dead Man's Curve. And, um... I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like it would mean something later on in life. Something so much more. I just knew it would. But it didn't at the time to me. It didn't mean much. It didn't scare me or anything. Like, it just, I just knew one day it would really mean something. You know? But now I feel like maybe it do a little bit. Even though I know it's not that time. It feels like it means something a little bit. Maybe I want it to right now. But I knew it would really mean something later. But, you know... Right now, what I feel like it means to me is, like, sometimes there's dark spirits in the area. Sometimes there's witchcraft in the area. Sometimes there are curses placed on certain areas and certain things in order to ensure a lot of deaths so that certain witches or warlocks or wizards in the area can gain power. You know, and finding out in this process that they call traffic, you know, all kinds of traffic you know, um, accidents and all kinds of things like that to see people die, you know, to kill people. And then they take their souls and they give them to Satan and they have this marriage with Satan in hell over these deaths in order to reach a certain level in witchcraft. And um, after killing uh, these, these many different people, you know, these souls are just handed over as a level up and being a witch or a wizard or a warlock. And um, they don't care. And the only thing that's protecting you that day is that you pray before you left the house. The only thing that's protecting you that day is that you accepted Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. The only thing that's protecting you that day is the fact that you are a Christian. They're really taking people's lives, causing all kinds of all kinds of traffic accidents. They will cause a bus to crash, burn, and everybody on that bus that dies will be non-believers or people who possibly didn't pray that day. The only people who survive are the people who pray. And it's like that's what dead man's curve means to me now. There's no telling if you know some witch put something, some sort of dark energy or spirit on that curve. In order to ensure that people die when they hit it, you know, and 
when you're looking at it from a perspective where you don't really want to believe in religion, you don't really want to believe that God is real, you don't want to believe that Jesus Christ is truly out here saving souls every day, then it just looks like, well, it's just really a tricky bend in the road. And it's possible that, you know, you just all of a sudden hit this curve. You know, but even after all the warnings of over the years, even called dead man's curve, you don't feel like that's even enough to prevent people from from dying there. So many different things. It's like if you want to not believe this stuff, you're not going to believe it. You're going to be able to write it off of logic every single time. Some sort of logic, some sort of excuse. You know what I've experienced in this process. With God showing up in such a way, God showing up in such a big, amazing way, I saw holes in my hands from the holes being nailed, the nails going, excuse me, the holes in Jesus' hands from him being nailed on the cross. I saw half holes in my hands because he was indicating to me that half the work was done for me. But then, you know, um, I heard Jesus' voice, my voice. I've never been able to make a man voice in my life. Ever as a kid, I used to practice it so I could prank call people. I always still sounded like a girl. Never in my life have I ever heard my voice sound like an actual man's voice, like I have an Adam's apple or something. I heard Jesus' voice and I know it was him anyways because I've never heard I've never heard you know the Father's prayer spoken so perfectly in my life. It taught me how it was really supposed to be spoken. Cause you think like however you speak it is okay, and of course that's great. But sometimes I speak through the prayer. Sometimes I say it too slow. Sometimes I add ands when ands where ands don't exist. But it's not even just that, it's also the tone and the confidence and the conviction in the prayer, not doubting God, having full faith and trust in him. When you speak this prayer, it's like the lack. With me, I was crying, I was worrying, I was shaking, I was, you know, begging, I was anxious, I was over-emotional, but with the Lord, he was just sure. And when he spoke the Father's prayer, he was just sure his tone of voice was perfect. Everything about it was perfect. I had to stop and think, God, you are perfect. You're really perfect. The way that you're saying this is perfect. And I know how I'm supposed to speak it, but I just don't know if I'll ever be able to do it as perfect as you. He said, don't say that. So, um... What I guess I'm saying is that whatever you want to really believe in, however you want to write the, write off these supernatural happenings in life, is what will happen. But this stuff is really happening. This stuff is very real. Now, me personally, the witches and different individuals that I've dealt with, I don't know for a fact that they actually affect traffic and different things like that. But I do know in the process of this, that it feels as if the Lord has given me a, a sort of a power over traffic in order to prevent accidents. And it was maybe even exposed recently that this is a power that they have the ability to manipulate. 
and cause accidents. You know, only months ago did I actually take a special interest in this because I saw videos about these witches. You know, it was common for these witches to say that they cause accidents or cause miscarriages at the hospital with newborn babies in order to, you know, get their power back, to regain their power. So I took a special interest in these different things. And I prayed to the Father in order for him to give me dominion or power over these things in order to prevent this from happening so they can't get their power back, so they'll die. You know, just die. You know, because it may sound harsh, but at the end of the day, you're killing all these innocent people in order to get your power up for you to do what? Like, you don't ever get to be free. Satan has enslaved you to, you know, accomplish his missions and, and be sent on his assignments. I mean, what do you really get? All you get is this false sense of, you know, power. All you get is this false sense of validation from this false sense of power. You kill people in order to have that. That's so selfish. It's not worth it. You get nowhere in life. It's just not worth it. You know, everything that he gives you is only to monitor you and send you to go monitor other Christians and create and sow calamity and discord in other Christians' lives. You don't ever get to do anything real. It means nothing. It's deception. It's craftiness. It's it's not important. Like, you get nowhere and, like, I don't feel like that's a reason for people to be dying every single day. That you take their souls and their souls, their lives mean nothing, have meant nothing. And yes, at the end of the day, it's up to each and every single last one of us to leave meaningful lives and not lead meaningless lives. It's our, you know, responsibility to pray every morning before we leave out the house and pray every day that we get back safely. That's our responsibility. But at the same time, you can't expect to get away with, you know, taking innocent lives in order to gain some sort of rapport or status with Satan, you know, forever. When, of course, he doesn't really care for you. He's just leading your soul down to Sheol. He's just leading your soul down to hell. He's just, he doesn't plan to give you a half of the kingdom. He doesn't plan to set you up nice when you get to hell. You're going to burn. You don't get anything. You don't get anything. He's lying to you. He's not your friend. He doesn't love you. He hates you. He's the enemy of man. So why should people be dying? And you don't even know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. You have no clue. You're under deception. And that's why. You know, you need to die, not not necessarily your physical body, or excuse me, not necessarily you, you, the real you needs to die, but whatever spirit he's placed in you in order to possess you to do these things needs to die. It has to go. You're killing people, taking people's lives, causing traffic accidents, and you show no remorse because you think that you're actually benefiting from it when no one does. Not even Satan benefits from that. He's going into the bottomless pit. He knows his fate. There's no benefit anywhere. It's pointless. So that means just a bunch of different lies are, are, you know. And, and of course, I have to take responsibility for 
you know, was wondering, you know, about those years of my life where I may have been leading a meaningless life and I walk out and I don't even understand how I'm being protected, whether I was protected or not. And that could have been me that got on the bus that day and got into that car accident. And then my soul would have just joined the numbers of souls that, you know, were unprotected or not, you know, some, you know, submitting to God's word, accepted Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior to be used as a level up in a witch's journey. So, yes, I feel for these different people because we're not all aware that we're not all thinking about our actions every single day and how, you know, thinking about God and all that we do. We're not all protected like that. So it's not fair. It's so unfair for somebody to walk outside and not know that that day was their last day. And they didn't think to pray that morning. So, yes, I can warn somebody to pray because that's going to ultimately be your responsibility. But also, I'm going to fight you because that's not fair for you to go out and take somebody's life and not even care what that means to people around them who have lost them. The pain you are causing. Even if they're leading meaningless lives, it's not for you to be the judge on that. God is the judge on that. That is so not right. So... I prayed about this, and I think that's what that man's curve means. But nevertheless, you know, I had a vision about it, and I was with a friend, and she was like, I want to go hang out, but I didn't really want to go. I was like, I'm going to stay in the house. You know, lately I've been wanting to stay in the house. Like, I'll just take a nap, and I just felt like I kept trying to get up. I couldn't get up. Like, it's so weird. I find myself in these very, very, very weird positions where, I don't have any control of my body. I'm fighting so hard to be able to wake, to get up, to stand up, and to actually maneuver. But I just keep fainting. Like, I feel so weak. I keep fainting. And um, honestly, I think it's God's protection. Because everybody else, they have full maneuverability of their bodies. They can do whatever they want to do, it seems like. Everybody else can do whatever they want to do. Nobody else is fainting. You know, nobody else is feeling weak. Everybody else is able to do whatever they want to do except me. I'm feeling weak and I'm fainting. And I think maybe it's because the Lord, Jesus Christ, is He's trying to keep me out of this world, this spiritual realm where we think that it's okay to be walking around and doing all these things. It's not even really us. We're under strong deception. And Satan is trying to get me bowed down to an altar, you know, and maybe at any point where I finally get up and start walking around like it's normal in these spiritual realms and these, you know, these, these deceptions or these different realms, these different, you know, places, that will be when I'm actually bowed down to an altar, you know, and so Satan is trying to take my opportunity at heaven and, um, Maybe that's what the Lord is protecting me from. Maybe that's why I can't get up. But also at the same time, me feeling like maybe I'm supposed to get up. Maybe I'm supposed to be able to control my body. You know, maybe it's something that somebody placed on me or something that somebody did in order to keep me from controlling my body. You know, maybe somebody has gone through it before. I don't know. But um, I think that I'm marked 
I'm marked ever since I was a child. I'm marked for the nations. I have a destiny that I have to accomplish. And I think that this is more more than anything motivation to get up and do it. Regardless of what it looked like or what it seemed. And so, you know. As far as this cousin I'm seeing, maybe this is another threat. This threat of Satan, like. I showed you yourself on an obituary. I showed you her face on an obituary. Ever since I seen that, I didn't want I fought so hard not to see myself on the obituary, but I also fought so hard to see her, you know, in this spiritual realm or involved in any of these things or having anything to do with anything. I just didn't want to see her around it, even if I knew she still was a part of it or still was in it. Or different things like that. I just didn't want to see me and her together doing these things together or any different things, doing these things a certain kind of way because I was saying, like, maybe it'll go with their plan. Like, if we end up doing this together, we end up around each other a lot concerning these things. You know, they plan on killing us both at the same time. They plan on our faces being on an obituary. You know, so... I was just trying to delay it until I learn more information to find out more about what the Lord is trying to show me and tell me concerning this situation. Maybe we have met somebody in passing that has it out for us that it has turned out to be a serial killer and is doing all kinds of things to kill or murder us. You know, maybe it's somebody in the family. Maybe it's just witchcraft or just how the chips may have fallen. I don't know why, you know, me and her is a target, you know. If we're a target, because maybe it was just a threat that day. Maybe it really didn't mean much. Maybe it really doesn't. Maybe it really doesn't mean as much as I think that it does. I don't know, but what I do know is that I'm gonna take everything into account as much as possible. Every situation, every possibility. I don't want it to turn into some sort of hangout. When I know that our lives are being threatened in that way. i never seen nobody in this whole entire process face on an obituary but ours. And now they want us to start hanging out together. Like, this type of stuff make me want to really, you know. Make me really want to start doing different things in a different way. And really start, you know, eliminating even possibilities, you know, of threats in that direction. But I have to be careful because that may very well be falling exactly into the plan. You know, because you see yourself on an obituary, now you'll become, you know, more of a problem than you would have even possibly seen. It was just a joke or a threat. It wasn't even that serious. Nobody was going to follow through on it. But now I have you harming or hurting different people because you're paranoid about what could be. I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go and start taking things into my own hands and start acting out of character or doing things based off of being provoked. Because what will have had at the end of the day just a worry based off a of worry or possibility. No real evidence or proof. You know, a foul plan. So, I do my best to be careful, even though it's nerve-wracking. 
it's nerve-wracking that they play over my 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 life and my family's lives like this. You know, taking them as a game. But maybe this is God's way of showing me how it feels for him to see his people's lives played over. For me, it's personal because it's my family, but it shouldn't be that way. I should be showing no partiality. Each and every single last person out here is my brother and my sister. And if these different things are going on and happening, then I should care that much like it's my family. Maybe that's why the Lord is showing me this way. When I put your family's lives in it, you start taking it seriously. But when I don't, you know, you don't think maybe it's such a big deal. It's not so it's not it's not so much as an urgent, you know. It's not it's not it doesn't have as much of a sense of an urgency to you unless I put your family's, you know, lives or involvement, involve your family's lives in it. When they start playing over your family's lives and your blood then you start caring enough to start fighting harder, to start praying harder, to really start taking things seriously to a different level. But that's something you should be doing anyways. None of us should be showing partiality. Each and every single last person out here that ever loses their life should be thinking of that like that was a close friend or family member. And furthermore, you need to look at Jesus' crucifixion like any close friend friend or family member, a brother, if they died, was murdered on a cross, nailed through their hands and their feet and died, was innocent, sinless, did nothing. That's how you need to see Jesus' death. You need to see him as a brother. He really lived and died for us and resurrected three days later. Jesus is real. He's not for pretend. So... I'm seeing things from an entirely different light, and it gets very serious and very real, and I'm trying to take things seriously, especially when I feel like I'm under so much pressure. I'm tired. I don't want to keep chasing after the same individuals over and over and over again, the same environments, trying to get the same thing straight, but the Lord does every single day. We run back to the same thing. He pulls us out. He We run back. He pulls us out. We run back. He pulls us out. We run back. And this same repetitive process that we go over every day, the Lord is always right there with us because he is faithful. So maybe it's time for us to get a better understanding of what he has to go through. Hard neck, stubborn, and hard hearted. So, not understand. I try my best to understand. I don't know what it mean, but we hopped in a car and I was driving for like Postmates or something like that. And then I saw this order. It was for school supplies. It was $127 on school supplies. And um, it was only like five or six different things. Just a pack of markers, maybe some, you know, pencils or pens or different things like that. And I thought to myself, no. If I go to the store and I get these markers and different things for $127, is it possible that I can 
return these different things for the amount of $127. Go to the dollar store and get the same thing for about $7 or $8, maybe 10 and keep the difference. But it's that being dishonest. It's that stealing. And so I was faced with that idea that I can't possibly do things that way. Or maybe the Lord was trying to give me an idea, you know? How I can make money, but I don't believe that the Lord would ever give you an idea that requires being dishonest. And so, you know, I just kept dealing with these people who were just like, you know, it's like they were doing stuff. I don't know what they were doing, but they kept doing different things. Different things kept happening. And I think that it was an effort. Like they was just trying to take the opportunity to try and you know, possibly do something to me, um, hurt me, harm me, put hands on me, or take something up off me, or just, I don't know what they were trying to do, but while they felt that I was distracted, they was trying to possess my body, or I don't know what they were doing, but they were doing different things behind my back. They tried to do some stuff. They tried to do something. Whatever it was they was doing, they was doing something, and um, they tried to do it while my, my defenses were weakened. But the Lord, he kept me, he protected me, he didn't let it happen. He didn't let them do it. Whatever it was they were trying to do, if it was something they was trying to do, he didn't let it happen. And so, you know, I truly am blessed by God to be kept and protected. I don't know. I don't know. Quite honestly, I think that, you know, I want to say you reap what you sow, but honestly, at this point, it feels like the Lord has shown me a totally different side of things. Like, I can make the efforts to try and stop people from doing the things that they're doing, but it's a lot. It's a lot of work going out of my way a lot of times. And, um, how important it is, I may never know, but, you know, I just have to be comfortable whatever happens, whatever happens, whatever direction things go in. I just have to trust God for what he's doing. I can make extra efforts and I can do, you know, I can put extra effort into different things. But oftentimes it's just going to be like, why don't you just put that effort into helping people? Why don't you just put that effort into seeing this whole entire situation, you know, be ended? Like in this entire situation as a whole, if you're going to put that extra effort into anything, you could put that extra added effort into preventing this situation from continuing any longer. Like, just kill the demon witch as a whole so that you don't have to continue to fight tit for tat back and forth on these small issues. Otherwise, just like, so that's all I've just been doing. I've been doing everything I can to use whatever energy, effort that I have, excuse me, to put in the, di- in the direction that matters. To put it in a direction that matters, but um, it doesn't always work out that way. So we'll see. 
what I do feel like, I do feel like, you know, and I don't want to have to keep saying this because I don't want to brag on different things that may not stand because I still have to be doing a lot more that I'm not doing. And God is possibly not even going to defend or back this different attitude up if it's not, you know, based off of the right type of perspective or mindset. But oftentimes I'm just wondering or thinking to myself in my heart, like, there's no way they're going to continue to get away with this. There's no way they're going to continue to get away with this behavior like this in this direction. Like, they're going to have to answer to these things. And, you know, with that being said, what I what I mean by what God won't back that up is the fact that it's like, well, you're going to have to answer to the things you're doing as well. I'm going to have to answer to the things I'm doing. You know, there's no way he's just going to reprimand them. We're all sinners. All sinners equal. And, um... It's not that he hates any of it more than the other. He hates all sin, period. So if he's going to reprimand them, he's going to reprimand you. You know? It's a big possibility of that. But even though I've seen it happen so many different ways, so many different occasions, it's all up to God. His ways are mysterious. So I don't know, but um, I'm just going to do what I can to be as faithful as possible. And it's in this time where I'm just feeling so down, I'm just feeling so drained, I'm just feeling so exhausted by the cycles you know I want to see things happen differently and I know that means an effort on my part and you know I just sometimes wonder like why it feels like I'm doing so much extra work and not seeing a lot of return on that so I don't know what that means I know I, you know it's not fair for me to be in a position that I'm not getting up and I'm not doing anything because things won't move or things won't do this or things won't do that until I say go and I have the right to do this this that third Whatever, doesn't matter. It's like, I'm just doing what I can right now. And right now, that might very well be little to nothing. And that's not okay. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, you know, I'm human. And this situation has taught me so much concerning, like, how it feels like I'm supposed to be perfect. And I'm not, I know I want to be big. I want to be better. I want to reach for the stars. But... I've sat there and I've seen this situation from so many different angles or tried to and I've seen it and I was just like, there's no way I'm expected to even, you know, carry all of this like this as one person. It just doesn't, it makes absolutely no sense. God is perfect. I'm not, you know, it feels like in a way trying to rub in my face like you are not God, but I, I never felt that way to begin with. So, you know, maybe it's just the effort of, you know, different individuals who have it out for me. <clears throat> but that still doesn't negate the idea of why God is allowing it. So, you know, I don't know. I'm in this place right now where I'm down. I don't want to take it out on God or hold anything against him, but I can't. I don't, I'm just not super motivated to get up and do a lot. I'm just doing what I can.